This daily grind, I need one wine. Welcome to the Grind It Podcast. You know, life can be such a grind at times, and so we're here sharing God's word with you to encourage you to keep grinding and to not give up. Every day of my life is such a grind. It's time to grind. So here's the host of the Grind It Podcast, the old school skateboarder himself, Randall Tucker. In our last podcast, we started Acts chapter 13, and, and, and we read about Luke bringing out the names of five men who were helping or maybe have even started the church in Antioch of Syria, and how God was blessing their work, and this church had blossomed so big that it was starting to rival the church in Jerusalem, and, and, and the men who possibly had started that church was Manaean was Lucius of Cyrene, who by tradition says that, that he was the first bishop or elder at the church at Cyrene. And more than likely, Luke mentions some people from Cyrene had came to Antioch of Syria to start the church there amongst that those Gentiles there. And more than likely, it would have been Lucius because he was from Cyrene. And... Uh, Luke also mentions Simeon called Niger. Niger being his nickname, they call him Niger. And Niger means the black one or the black man. And so Lucius means the light-skinned man. So more than likely, two of the men who started this church in this Gentile city of Antioch of Syria were black men. And so what I did in the last podcast was just honor those those two black men, because in our nation right now, racism, I mean, it's, it's been a big thing for a long time, but right now, it's just on the forefront of things, and, and, and I really challenged uh, us as Christians, no matter what color skin we are, to go find somebody of the opposite color and, and, and worship with them, and just take some time to, to get to know them. Uh, and know their story and realize that we are all one in Christ Jesus. It does not matter what color skin we are. It does not matter what nationality that we are. We are all one in Christ Jesus. And that's what Paul says in Galatians 3, 26 through 29. And so Paul and Barnabas, uh, they're helping these three guys out uh, with this church in Antioch of Syria for about a year and then the Holy Spirit tells uh, these, these five men, Barnabas, Saul, uh, Manaean, uh, Lucius, and, and, and Niger, they, they're all worshiping together. And, and it says, as, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. Then having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away and and so there's one thing that I, this is where the I call them the dynamic duo they they start their first missionary journey they're they're going to start traveling from place to place uh, by foot by by boat and and the places they go they're going to be visiting the synagogues because that's where the religious people were who worshiped God they were an easy target, if you will. They would go in there and and because they knew they were there at the synagogue to worship God, and so they would preach to them about Jesus to these Jews and, and to the God fearing Gentiles. And so, uh, 
they would eventually get chased out of those synagogues most of the time. Sometimes, you know, the people would be hungry and want to hear. Uh, but they would go to other places. They would go to people's homes. They would be, they would go to the Agora. But anyway, uh, the, the Holy Spirit is going to separate Barnabas and Saul, or Paul. And in this chapter, Acts chapter 13, Saul flips his name to Paul. He starts being called Paul. And we don't know exactly why. But uh, a lot of people think it has to do with when he uh, has interaction in Acts chapter 13 with uh, the governor uh, who is called uh, Sergius Paulus. And so we, a lot of people think that this is when Paul changed his name from Saul to Paul. But one of the things that, that, uh, that I want to point out as we move on through Acts chapter 13 is one thing uh, that these men were doing as they were worshiping together. And that was, Luke says, and he says it twice, he says that they were fasting and praying. They were fasting. So the question I have is this, what, what happened to fasting? Why, why do Christian people not fast anymore? It, uh, well, at least I, I'm speaking for myself here because I don't do it. I should do it and I should do it more often but I, I don't do it. So what, what has happened to this idea of fasting? In Matthew chapter 6, and Jesus was talking. He says, when you fast. So he, he's assuming that we're going to be fasting, especially as his followers, that we're going to be people who withhold from food and drink for or, or one or the other, or vice versa. There's all kinds of fasts, and you can Google that and study that uh, all that you want. But Jesus assumed that we would be people who fast. He says, when you fast. And so uh, the first mention of fasting, if I'm not mistaken, is Exodus 34, 28, when it says, uh, this is when Moses was in the presence of God and getting the Ten Commandments. It says, Moses remained there on the mountain with the Lord 40 days and 40 nights. And all that time he ate no bread and drank no water. And the Lord wrote the terms of the covenant, the Ten Commandments, on the stone tablets. And like I said, there, there's all kinds of, uh, of uh, fast that people do today. There's all kinds of examples in the Bible of people who fasted and, and there's reasons why, different reasons why they fasted. And so I want to give you some circumstances from the Bible uh, that people did fast and, and why they fasted. And I took this from a, a website called faithgateway.com and it's entitled, Why Should I Fast? And so the first reason that they give is to prepare for ministry. And the example they give is Jesus being in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights before he begins uh, to do God's work on this earth. Because Jesus needed some time alone to prepare for what his father had called him to do. And some verses you can read is Matthew 4, 1 through 17, Mark 1, 12 through 13, and Luke 4, 1 through 14. But the first reason for fasting that they give is to prepare for ministry. Another reason is to seek God's wisdom. And the example they use is the one we've been talking about is Paul and Barnabas. But uh, they use Acts chapter 14, verse 23, when Paul and Barnabas prayed and fasted for the elders of the churches before committing them 
to uh, the Lord for his service. And you know, not too long ago, we just added some elders uh, at, at our church at, at Partnership Christian Church. And so one of the ways that we can seek God's wisdom, and that, that, that I mean, that's a very good thing to do in any task that we're going to take on for the kingdom of God is that we should fast and pray right together and, and seek God's wisdom. So to prepare for ministry, to seek God's wisdom, another reason that people fasted in the Bible was to show grief in Nehemiah chapter 1, 1 through 4, when uh, you know Nebuchadnezzar had came in, the Babylonian army had come in and just absolutely destroyed Jerusalem, tore down the walls, tore down the temple, burnt what they could burn, killed men, women, old and young, children, and people who they you know didn't kill, they carried back into Babylonian captivity where they would be there for 70 years. And after that end of that 70 years, God allowed them to go back and rebuild. And, and, and Nehemiah was in charge of rebuilding the walls. And if you... Uh, if you if you've ever done any reconstruction work going behind what somebody else has done it it's it it, it sucks it, it's pretty hard i would much rather when i i've built houses in the past and worked with some construction companies i would much rather start off new and and and, and start fresh than having to come in behind what somebody else has done and redo uh their work and i couldn't imagine walls so thick that you could drive chariots on the top of these things and these big old heavy stones and they're all just laying there in rubble and and nehemiah comes and he sees the destruction and it says that nehemiah mourned and he fasted and prayed when he had learned uh, that jerusalem's walls had been broken down and leaving the israelites vulnerable and disgraced and that's nehemiah chapter 1 verses 1 through 4. and so uh, reasons that they give to uh, fast is to prepare for ministry, to seek God's wisdom, to show grief. Uh, another one is to seek deliverance or protection. And again, uh, this is when uh, the Israelites were coming back and, and starting all over from the Babylonian captivity in Ezra chapter 8, verses 21 through 23. Ezra declared a corporate fast and prayed for a safe journey for the Israelites as they're making their journey. It's an, an, over a 900-mile journey back to Jerusalem when uh, Cyrus, king of Persia, had allowed them to, to come back and, 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 and restore their city of Jerusalem. And so he prays, Ezra prays uh, for protection and a safe journey. So another reason why we would fast is, is to seek deliverance or protection. Another reason, and I'm just I'm just giving you a, a brief overview. You can you can you know there's way more in depth studies on fasting. But uh, uh, another reason that we uh, should fast is to repent. To repent. Um, after Jonah pronounced judgment against the city of Nineveh. Remember, he, he didn't want to go to Nineveh. He, he, he ran when God said, you need to go to Nineveh and give them the opportunity to repent. He didn't want that. He didn't want them to, he didn't want God, because he knew the goodness of God and how God is so graceful and shows mercy that he, you know, remember he went in the opposite direction, got in the ship, 
and the ship was about to sink, and they realized that you know, Jonah says, "Hey, I'm I'm the problem here. Just throw me overboard, and y'all will be all right, and you know I'll pay the price." And he gets swallowed by the fish, and he's in the fish's belly for three days, and he's puked out onto the land. And then he finally goes to Nineveh, and sure enough, you know God shows mercy and grace to Nineveh, and 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 Jonah's not very happy about it. But uh, but a reason why we fast is to repent. And it's when Jonah pronounced judgment against the city of Nineveh that the, the, the king of Nineveh covered himself. You see this a lot in the Old Testament. But the king covered himself with sackcloth and sat in the dust or ashes. Uh, he then ordered the people to fast and to pray. In Jonah 3.10 it says, When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened so another reason why we fast is to repent another reason we fast is to gain victory and we all we, we all want to be the winners right we want to be vict victorious right we want to gain victory uh, after losing 40,000 men in a battle in just two days Israel lost 40,000 men in a battle in two days the Israelites cried out to God for help. And in Judges 20, 26, it says, All the people went up to Bethel and sat weeping before the Lord. And they also fasted that day until evening. And then the, the next day, the Lord gave them victory over the Benjamites. So another reason, a good reason to fast, is because we all want to be victorious. And we all want the victory. We want to be winners. And so... After losing 40,000 men in a battle in two days, Israel fasted and prayed that evening, and God gives them the victory the next day over the Benjamites. Another reason for fasting, and there's many more reasons. This is going to be the seventh one and the last one I'm going to give. And the reason that we fast is to worship God. To worship God. In Luke chapter 2, Luke tells the story of an 84-year-old woman, and she is a prophetess, and she's living in the temple, and her name is Anna. In verse 37 of Luke chapter 2, it says, She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Anna, this lady was devoted to God, and fasting was one of her expressions of her love for God. She never left the temple. She worshiped day and night and included in her worship was fasting. Now, one that I want to share, let me get my Bible, is Daniel chapter 10. And a lot of people, I think, I, like I said, uh, a lot of people use this to lose weight and things like that. It's called the Daniel Fast, but but that's not why I want to read Daniel chapter 10. I, I want you to check out uh, Daniel mentioning how long he fasted and why he fasted. But in Daniel chapter 10, it says, In the third year reign of King Cyrus of Persia, Daniel, also known as Belshazzar, had another vision. He understood that the vision concerned events certain to happen in the future, times of war and great hardship. And when this vision came to me, I, Daniel, had been in mourning for three whole weeks, 21 days, 21 days. All that time I had eaten no rich food, 
No meat or wine crossed my lips, and I used no fragrant lotions until those three weeks had passed. So Daniel is in prayer for three full weeks. And in that prayer time, he is fasting and praying. And he has this vision. And the New Living Translation gives a date. I don't know how accurate that is. But on April 23rd, I was... It's weird they just give a date. On April 23rd, I was standing on the bank of the Great Tigris River. I looked up and I saw a man dressed in linen clothing with a belt of pure gold around his waist. His body looked like a precious gem. His face flashed with lightning and his eyes flamed like torches. His arms and his feet shone like polished bronze. And his voice roared like a vast multitude of people. Only I, Daniel, saw this vision. The men with me saw nothing, but they were suddenly terrified and ran away to hide. And so I was left there all alone to see this amazing vision. My strength left me and my face grew deathly pale and I felt very weak. And then I heard the man speak. And when I heard the sound of his voice, I fainted and lay there with my face to the ground. He falls prostrate before this angel. Just then a hand touched me and lifted me and still trembling to my hands and knees. And the man said to me, Daniel, you are very precious to God. So listen carefully to what I have to say to you. Stand up for I have been sent to you. And when he said this to me, I stood up still trembling. And then he said, don't be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day you began to pray for understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your request has been heard in heaven. So from the very first day, remember Daniel fasted and prayed for 21 straight days. And this angel, this this mighty angel that we have this awesome description of from Daniel's vision, this angel says, look, you're very precious to God. And God heard the very minute you started praying and fasting, Daniel. He says, I have come in to answer your prayer, but for 21 days, the spirit, prince of the kingdom of Persia, blocked my way. Then Michael, one of the archangels, came to help me, and I left him there with the spirit, prince of the kingdom of Persia. And now I'm here to explain what will happen to your people in the future, for this vision concerns a time yet to come. And so, uh, he says, while I was speaking to me, I looked down at the ground, unable to say a word. And then the one who looked like a man touched my lips and I opened my mouth and began to speak. And I said to the one standing in front of me, I am filled with anguish because of the vision I have seen, my Lord, and I am very weak. How can someone like me, your servant, talk to you, my Lord? My strength is gone. I can hardly breathe. Then the one who looked like a man touched me again and I felt my strength returning. Don't be afraid, he said, for you are very precious to God. Peace. Be encouraged. Be strong. And he spoke these words to me, and I suddenly felt stronger. And I said to him, Please speak to me, my Lord, for you have strengthened me. He replied, Do you know why I come? Soon I must return to fight against the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. And after that, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Greece will come. Meanwhile, I will tell you what is written in the book of truth. No one helps me against these spirit princes except Michael, your spirit prince. I have been standing beside Michael to support and strengthen him since the first year of the reign of Darius the Mede. So in Daniel chapter 10, we have insight. We can literally see from what this angel is telling Daniel what's going on in the spirit realm. 
when we're praying and when we're fasting. The angel said, Daniel, God heard your prayer the minute you started praying, but I was held up by the king, this prince, this, this demon, the kingdom of, over the kingdom of Persia. I couldn't get to you. So I had to have help. Michael the archangel came to help me. And while he's fighting right now, I came to deliver this message from God to you. And I'm about to go back and help him. There is power. There's power in prayer. But when we put fasting with prayer, and you see this all throughout the Bible, Old Testament and New Testament. When, when we pray and when we fast and pray, it just helps us focus on God in such a special way. It's saying, God, I need you. I need the answer to this prayer more than I need food. Because food's what we have to have to live. Water, you know, our body's 70% water, maybe more than that. And we have to have that. But we're saying, God, I need you more than this. I need your help. And so I'll share with you these reasons, these seven reasons uh, from this website of why we fast. And there's, like I said, there's more reasons. Uh, that's just to give you an idea. But you can Google fasting, you, you know, because Jesus, like I said, he, he just assumes that we're going to be people who fast. And so um, maybe uh, you can dive into that and, and, and consider fasting. I know I'm going to, and, and I'm going to work on that aspect of my Christian walk and my, and my faith because I, I don't do it. I mean, I'm just going to be straight up honest with you. Uh, I've done it in the past, but I've kind of gotten away from it. And, and I think it's time that we, God's people, we really get serious with our walk with Christ. And if we're going to get serious with our walk with Christ, it's going to include fasting. Because that's just what they did in the Old Testament and the New Testament. And Jesus just expects us to do that. And it helps us to focus on God. And we need to hear from God in a mighty way today. And especially for these seven reasons that, that we just talked about. So uh, before we go to break, I'm going to leave you with this. Joel chapter 2 verse 12 says, That is why the Lord says, Turn to me now while there is time. Give me your hearts. Come, now get this, God says, come with fasting, weeping, and mourning. We'll be right back. This is Ryan Kirst. I'm the student pastor at Partnership Christian Church, and I want to invite you and your family to worship with us this coming Sunday. Check us out on Facebook or YouTube for service times and directions. Thanks for listening to the Grind It podcast. Keep grinding. So, the Holy Spirit says, appoint Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I have called them. And so after fasting and, and much prayer, the men laid their hands on them and they sent them on their way. And so my question is this, what is the special work that the Holy Spirit is talking about here? What has God called them to do? Well, the answer is actually given to us by Jesus himself in Acts 9, 15 and 16, because Jesus is having this conversation with Ananias when he is telling Ananias that he's going to be visited by this man named Saul, and Ananias is freaking out because he knows that Saul is the one who's persecuting Christians, and Ananias is kind of like, whoa, whoa, God, whoa, Jesus, I don't, I don't know about all this, dude. And Jesus says, no, it's okay. And here's what Jesus tells Ananias. He says, go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to the kings 
as well as to the people of Israel. And I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. So Saul's calling, if you will, his purpose, his mission, his special work that the Holy Spirit says was to take the message of the gospel, Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection to the Gentiles. And we see it starting here in Antioch of Syria. And along with Barnabas, Saul is going to begin traveling from place to place. And that's what we're going to see over the next few chapters uh, in Acts. And and beginning here in Acts chapter 13, we call it the first missionary journey. That they're going to just travel around to these cities and start these churches. And so I had a question for you. And the question is this. How many times have you said, what does God want me to do? What is my purpose? Well, I'm going to answer that here in just a second, you know, because we, we make this, and I don't know why we do this, but we make this some complicated thing and, and we wonder what God wants us to do. What is my purpose? What, what, you know, what does he have in store for me? Does he want me to be some missionary in a foreign field or does he want me to, to be a preacher or does he want me to be an elder or a deacon or, a, you know, and, and we think of all these big things and, 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 what happens is we, we can't figure out what God wants us to do and what's our purpose, what's our special work that God wants us to do, and we end up not doing anything. And, and, and that, that, that can't be. And so I, I, I want you to refocus. Uh, when, if you're asking God that question today, what, what do you want me to do, God? Let, let me tell you something. What happened this week with my 13-year-old uh, daughter? She's outside. She's shooting basketball. And, you know, I can hear the, the basketball dribbling and being, you know, thrown around. And, and uh, I, I don't hear it. I know so I'm, I'm, I'm getting silence. So I'm getting kind of nervous. So I, I go out to check on her. And when I walk out there, she's nowhere around. I'm looking around the vehicles. I'm, I'm walking around the yard. I'm, I'm, I'm calling her name. No answer. I'm starting to get a little antsy here. And, and. Uh, I come in the house. I look all around the house. I go upstairs. I'm 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 looking in all the rooms and knocking on the bathroom door. No answer. Uh, nowhere to be found. Uh, tell my wife. I said I can't I can't find our daughter. Where you know where's she at? And do you know where she's at? And, and so she gets involved in the search. And we walk around the house. Can't find her. She's yelling her name. No answer. And I walk out to the street and look down the street. And here she comes walking up the street with uh, one of our neighbors. And what had happened was uh, when, when, she, when they walked up, the neighbor said, uh, your daughter's been walking, uh, walking with me. I, I saw her out shooting basketball and just asked her if she would walk with me for a few minutes. And so what she did was she just took her basketball and took off walking with her neighbor. And she didn't tell me or her mother, which you know scared us to death because we thought something might have done happened to her. And uh, after my heart finally calmed down a little bit, and uh, uh, the, 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 the neighbor said, um, your daughter's been walking with me, and she's been talking to me about God. Well, my neighbor has lost her husband and a 19-year-old daughter uh, in the past two or three years. Both of those events in the past two or three years. And uh, she's been going through a hard time over the past few years and, and her and, and you know losing her loved ones. And my daughter was kind and gracious enough 
to, to walk with her and talk to her about God. But here's the thing. So I, I, I tell my daughter, I said, from now on, you be sure to tell me or, or your mom if you're going to leave this yard. I mean, she knows to do that anyway. I just, you know, here's what, here's what her reply was. She says, but I was just out there shooting basketball and, 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 and the neighbor comes walking up and she said, while, while I was shooting basketball, I was praying at the same time and I was just asking God, God, what do you want me to do? This is my 13-year-old daughter. What do you want me to do? What, what, what special work do you have for me, in store for me? What do you want me as a 13-year-old teenager, what would you have me to do? And that was basically what she was praying while she's shooting basketball. And she said, Daddy, she said, I had a bit more got the words out of my mouth when the neighbor walked up and asked me to go walking with her. So I, I just took that as a sign that God wanted me to go walk with our neighbor. And so I did, and I shared God with her. And and so, you know, I want to go back to what I said. You know, we, we, we at, the, at, at the beginning of this, we, we, we make serving God so complicated. You know, what does God want me to do? And we, we sit here and we try to figure it out, and, and we end up most of the time not doing anything or very little. And, and here here's a simple answer. You know, if a 13-year-old girl, teenager, can be praying while she's shooting basketball and God gives her an opportunity just to walk with a neighbor, imagine all the opportunities God has laid before you and before me when we're sitting there praying, God, what do you want me to do? God, what what do you want me to do? And he's saying, here's what I want you to do. And we're like, oh, no, that, that, that obviously that's not it. That's not it. I know there's something big that you want me to do. No. Here's what God wants you to do. How about cooking a, a, a meal for somebody who's sick? How about getting on Facebook, since we like social media so much, and, and, and sending a message to somebody who is discouraged, who, who just needs some encouragement? Or, you know, a lot of people don't use the phone anymore to call people. We text people. But how about picking up the, your, your phone and, and actually dialing somebody's number and listening to their voice? Just say, hey, I, I know you've been going through this struggle. And I just want to let you know that I'm here for you. I'm praying for you. Love you. It, it, you know, how about cooking a meal for somebody who's sick? How about delivering something? You know, just or just order some flowers for some, just the small stuff, just something small, and say this is the reason why I'm doing this is because I want you to be blessed because I love Jesus and I know He would do this for you. Don't complicate your Christian walk. Don't complicate what God wants you to do. In fact, Micah 6, 6 through 8 really just breaks it down. When Micah, uh, the prophet, he says, What can we bring to the Lord? Shall we bring him burnt offerings? Shall we bow before God most high with offerings of yearling calves? In other words, he says, Shall we offer him thousands of rams and 10,000 rivers of olive oil? Should we sacrifice our firstborn children to pay for our sins? He's saying, should I do all this big, gigantic stuff for God so I can be pleasing to God? Then he says in verse 8, Micah 6, 8, he says, no, none of that. And he says, the Lord has told you what is good and what he requires of you. Now listen, here's what God requires of you. It's three simple things. To do what is right, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. It's, it, it, it's, it's really that simple. Don't 
complicate it. What does God want you to do? Just do what's right. Love mercy and walk humbly with God. Because when you're walking humbly with God, you're walking with Jesus and you're being Jesus. And, and that's all we're required to do is to show people Jesus and give them the same hope that we have. But in the last few minutes of the, of the podcast today, I just want to share just some point. I just want to just point out some highlights here for uh, the rest of this chapter in Acts chapter 13. Um, the first thing that I want to point out is that when they went to a new city, the first place they went was to the synagogue. And, and the reason why they went to the synagogues is because that's where people would gather together to worship God on the Sabbath day. And so since people were there already to worship God, well, they're, they're just ripe and ready to hear about God's Son, Jesus. And so that's what they would do. They would, When they travel from place to place, they would go to the local synagogues. The second thing I want to point out is this. They go to a place called Paphos where they're invited by the governor named Sergius Paulus to come and tell him about Jesus because this governor, he wants to know about Jesus, which is kind of strange for a politician to want to know about Jesus. Not saying that there's not Christian politicians out there, and there are some good politicians, but it's just strange that this politician was hungry for the word of God. And so as they're telling uh, this governor about Jesus, there's this guy who is a Jewish sorcerer and a false prophet, and his name is Bar-Jesus. His name actually means son of Joshua or Yehoshua or Yeshua, the son of Jesus. This guy was fooling people into thinking that he was a prophet from God, the son of Jesus. So obviously he had heard of Jesus, and he's faking like he belongs to Jesus. And he's going to try to, as Paul and Barnabas are telling Sergius Paulus about the real Jesus, this guy who calls himself the son of Jesus is trying to discourage this governor from believing in Jesus. And so Paul gets fed up with this guy. And so he he basically puts a curse on him and blinds the guy. And, and he's going to be blind for, uh, for a, 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 some time. And when the governor saw what happened to Bar-Jesus by Paul, he instantly became a believer in the real Jesus. The third thing that I want to point out from Acts chapter 13 is in this chapter, it's in this chapter that John Mark is traveling with Paul and Barnabas and he's helping them uh, with their work and he's helping them spread the gospel. But in verse 13, John Mark decides to go back home to Jerusalem. If you remember it, it, when Peter was released from prison by the the angel it was to john mark's mother's house that he went to where the church was that was praying for his release and so john mark we say the bible doesn't say but we say that he got homesick we don't know the real reason why that he went home we just assume that he got homesick and so he travels back to jerusalem um and unfortunately, this will be a major contention later on between Paul and Barnabas. And in fact, it gets so heated, they get in this huge, fierce argument over John Mark because Barnabas is wanting to give him another chance. And Paul is saying, no way, I, I, I'm not dealing with this, this guy anymore because he's done deserted us once. And so Paul and Barnabas, their argument gets so heated that they decide to separate and go, go their separate ways. And so it's, it's this chapter that John Mark 
like I said, goes back to Jerusalem. We'll see when we get to it later on in the book of Acts where this uh, argument happens between Paul and Barnabas over John Mark. Um, in verse 47 through 52, it says, For the Lord gave us this command when he said, I have made you a light to the Gentiles to bring salvation to the farthest corners of the earth. And when the Gentiles heard this, they were very glad and thanked the Lord for his message. And all who were chosen for eternal life became believers. So the Lord's message spread throughout that region. And then the Jews stirred up an influential religious women and the leaders of the city, and they incited a mob against Paul and Barnabas and ran them out of town. And this will become a reoccurring theme for these men. As they go around preaching and teaching about Jesus, they get run out of town. Uh, and they get beaten, stoned, flogged, uh, you name it. Um, and so as they go out of town, it says in verse 51, they shook the dust off their feet as a sign of uh, rejection and, and went to the town of Iconium. And the believers were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. I want to, I want to end by saying this. You know, it's, it's one thing to have some men angry uh, and mad at you, but it's another thing to have a mob full of women angry and mad at you. And so these this angry uh, mob of women gather as many people as they can and they chase Saul and Barnabas out of town. And so I want to leave you with this. One thing that you can do is get on Google and, and, and Google Antioch of Pisidia and some of the cool remains that are there because uh, what happens is when, when you search these biblical sites, you can actually see the places, some of the remains of where Paul and Barnabas traveled to and, and, uh, and it's, it just makes the Bible come to life. I mean, it, it would be one thing to travel there and see things like that, but if you don't have that opportunity, Get on Google and, and you can see pictures of these places. And, and one, of, one of the places they travel to is Antioch of Pisidia. And, and like, for instance, there is a, a, a not a Colosseum, an amphitheater there. And it'll hold 10 to 15,000 people. And you can see that. And, and that is the same place. That, that place would have been there when Paul and Barnabas traveled to the Antioch of Pisidia and, and and there's a man by the name of William Ramsey who was an archaeologist who uh, dug up some really cool things there and you can check into all that but it really makes the Bible especially on these when as we're starting these journeys with Paul and Barnabas into these places it really helps you to see it gives you something to visualize about these cities that they went to to give these people hope and the message the gospel about the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Thank you for being with me today on the Grinded Podcast. I hope to see you back next time. God bless you. Thank you for joining us today on the Grinded Podcast. Please feel free to share this podcast with your friends and your family so that they too can be encouraged by the power of God's Word. If you have any comments or questions, just email them to thegrinditpodcast at gmail.com. Remember, keep grinding and God bless you.